0: Morning, everyone. Welcome. Any questions this morning? Yes. Question about um, mishta and faith. Okay. When I, think, when I thought of mishta, I thought of it as a firming up of, of faith, not as you described
1: it, at least somewhat last night as a engaging of the intellect. More of a... Um, I guess I, I was thinking of it more as belief. More as the what? Belief. Like a belief in something. I believe, and that's a faith.
0: Uh huh. Uh-huh.
1: So I was trying to understand perhaps um, a new way of... What's like a new framing of faith. Um, hearing you speak about faith being person, being a person, in other words, that faith represents who the person is, as a, it is a um, principle that activates, mm-hmm. motivates, is part of love, and um, so I'm trying to reframe the perspective in talking, I was thinking, is it, is faith, what that means is trust? Is that what it is? It's trust in Krishna, and you go to higher and higher levels of trust, so holy you can give yourself fully without any um, holding back. Mm -hmm. Is that what faith is? The trust? And um, how, so it's two part that question and then. Is the Nishta you described last night as being informed by the intellect? I understand how it, it, it's, it's supported through scriptural study, serving Vaishnava Sabha. Um Is that the, the only way you meant that it was that the, the nishtha is uh, a time of engaging the intellect? Did something else?
0: i not sure if I understand the last part, but I'll just talk about it. And if you need more clarity, you can speak up. Um, so, well, what do we mean by faith is the first part of your question, right? And um, we've talked about this before, but uh, it's a big topic. And I think that um, to use... Uh, Prabhupada's own uh, terminology or language he used to distinguish faith from belief hmm? uh, Thakur Bhakti Vinod uh, did so as well and he uh, relegated uh, belief to a function of the intelligence hmm? and faith to the uh, realm of the self or consciousness Near. we have consciousness is, is is different from matter and not an emergent uh, property of, of of the brain, uh, whereas intellect, mind and it's in this negoya way of thinking and Vedanta in general is are subtle forms of the brain, which is a gross form of matter, so consciousness is distinct. From both subtle and gross forms of matter, and the subtle form of matter is kind of an interface between consciousness and the gross world of so-called things, and uh, in the appear in the in the realm of mind and so forth, which includes, uh, in a broader sense, intellect and so forth, um, impressions of the world appear, qualitative experiences of it. So, at any rate. Again, Bhaktivinoda Thakur uh, placed belief, belief system, hmm? Hmm. Uh, tied it to intellect. So, in that sense, he's speaking about something that is not experiential. Hmm? Because intellect is, is, is to apprehend, as I said, something intellectually. is not necessarily to... Experience it fully, if 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 at all. So so we can hear things and we can believe accordingly, and so forth. But as much as we move, I would say, in relation to those uh, beliefs and have experience, then um, we get faith in as much as Bhakti Vinod is talking about it, faith being a, uh, something that uh, pertains to the realm of consciousness proper. Another way of framing that is, uh, you know, in the language of Pujapad that referred to the spiritual world, if you will, as planets of faith. And, and simplistically, well, faith is the absence of doubt, no doubt, and when there's an absence of doubt, when doubt is not present then movement is not encumbered hmm? by questioning hmm? I've given an example before if you go to a foreign country or somewhere uh, and and you're looking for something to eat then you're going to read what's on the label and you might do it in this country too but exactly what's on the label because you don't feel at home where you won't question in the same way hmm? and you will eat whatever your partner or whatever you know prepares or uh, it's made with affection and uh, so there's free movement there there's there's not the proceeding with caution if you will hmm? um, so that is a, in, a, in an interesting in a in a, in a very appropriate in a sense, explanation or in brief of this, a world, if you will, of faith, in contrast to a world of doubt wherein the upper rim, if you will, of it is the intelligence. If, we were to, if you were to look at material a reality from the Vedanta perspective uh, in a hierarchical sense, you have objects of the senses, objects of taste, of of smell, of sight, of hearing and touch and so forth. And then you have the senses themselves. This is right from Bhagavad Gita, of course, third chapter. You have the senses. You go from the object of the sense to the senses, and from the senses to the mind, the kind of the central computer of the, of a body made up of senses, which it is sometimes called the sixth sense, mind. And so information, experience, whatnot is... is uh, from the sense objects relayed through the senses to the mind kind of and then decisions are made there of good or bad or happy or sad i like i don't like and so forth and then more subtle than that is the is the intelligence that might say well my mind say this this is good and the intelligence might say but it's not good for you something like that so this finer discrimination and this is considered then it would be the end, if you will, of the material hierarchy from gross matter to the subtlest form of intelligence. And then that's played out in the Hindu uh, cosmology. You know, as the the Brahma's planet. He's got four heads. He's a pretty intelligent guy. And all the way down you know, on the other end. So this macrocosm explanation of the cosmology is... is, is, is it corresponds with the microcosm of our own universal, you know, body, if you will, the world of our body and, and mind. And so this intelligence is the upper rung on the ladder of the material hierarchy, stepping off from which you go into a categorically different world altogether, hmm? and the world of consciousness proper, hmm? where nothing is impossible. Hmm? And uh, so, to disc- and and so, and uh, uh, the world ruled at best by intellect. Hmm. We think you know you're smart, you're intelligent, you make the right decisions, you're cultured, you you know you have good discrimination. You um, uh, sometimes it's thought that humans are distinguished from. The, the animals, because of their uh, inter- intelligence, right? Where they say intellect, same idea. I mean, so, so um, you have then, even materially speaking, kind of the best case scenario, in an intelligence ruled uh, world. But again, this is going to be this is the, this is the function of doubting. Intelligence questioning, hmm? questioning, and what what Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was advocating is ganushnu bhakti, a world free from that kind of calculation hmm? and hesitation, where you can move freely, homeland of the heart. And this is how Vrindavan, the spiritual world of Krishna, this is depicted as free movement there. There's no. Every, every 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 song is a every word is a song, every step is a dance. What must be the dancing? What must be the the singing there? This kind of idea. Hmm? So, in many ways, through art and and uh, poetry, Lila narratives and so forth, it's talking about this kind of uh, a world beyond the limits of reason, hmm? the virtues of which are extolled. The world of reason and the power of reason, in in, in, in this particular uh, frame of reference, material world to use a, a term. So, world of faith, planets of faith. Again, faith animates, as I said, in the European So, movement, and so some, and so to go there, of course. Then, how will we go there? Well, we have to have a suitable vehicle. So from this side, there's no suitable vehicle for going to that side. Hmm? Uh, If you want to enter the world of consciousness, you have to become consciousness. Hmm? In other words, if you want, if there's a famous example, there's a salt doll, doll made out of salt that wanted to taste the ocean. What to do? So if you place the salt doll in the salt ocean, what will happen? (coughs) The salt doll will dissolve. Hmm? So if you want to experience the world of consciousness, then your material makeup, if you will, uh, at best, ruled by intelligence, it all has to dissolve. The constructs of the mind have to dissolve and so forth. Uh, the, The fact that you... The idea that you know by intelligence which is, we're used to thinking like that, that has to be thrown out, <laughs> that you can know conclusively
2: hmm,
0: and become perfectly happy thereby, which is the idea, the purpose of perfect knowledge, to be perfectly happy. That can't be happened by the function of intellect. Hmm? So when we have a belief system that is based on intellectual identification with some dogma and so on and so forth, that will only be as useful as it's t- it's turned into some kind of action that 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 gives us experience of a world beyond intellect by faith we need so we need faith we need an ingress of faith where we get that from shadavan janah shadavan when people have that hmm, then that is kind of contagious so we, we 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 get that, and and to one extent or another, you'll see that as faith and experience hmm, of a world beyond intellect becomes uh, your uh, experience, the less and less intellect matters. Hmm? The more it's that it just matter and doesn't matter. You know, it comes to bear. We're trouble bots, so we have a fair amount of it. It's quite burdensome. Hmm? And we seek to validate things that are beyond, that will never show up in the court of intellect. Hmm. We hold court. We hold intellectual court to prove God's existence or the existence of the self. But neither one are going to show up. It's, 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 uh, uh, <laughs> it's beneath them, so to speak. Hmm. Uh, so... The more we have experience, the, the, the less intellect matters. And that experience then is what we call faith. Hmm? So it is a trust, but it's a trust that, uh, that, is, that is simultaneously a distrust in which we have been trusting for so long. Hmm? Yeah, we <laughs> which hasn't helped us that much. <laughs> hmm? It hasn't helped us that much. It hasn't brought us too close to being perfectly happy. And then we, we look at the person of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu who we were discussing last night, and we'll try to discuss more this evening as well, um, and we see a person that is so happy. that He's just melting in happiness and, and, and showering his, his immediate associates with, with tears of joy and so forth. And just at the utterance of the name of Krishna, I mean, it doesn't have to make a lot of sense. It's it's desirable. Of course, it's hard to fully understand. Therefore, it is said what bhaya hmm? bisha The adbut wonderful charit character of prem, of divine love is that bhaya bisha Outside, it looks like terrifying, like poison. Hmm? Paya, Bisha, Cholup, He looks like a like like I don't want anything to do with that. He looks like why are we crying? <laughs> you know, it's a problem. He's like, get it together, will you? You're just like falling on the ground, and you you can't even speak coherently. Hmm? That's a little scary. But bitare ananda inside, outside it looks like one thing. Inside it looks, it is full of ananda. Full of joy, so in order to go inside, then our intellect is employed. That very same thing that, that that guides us and restricts us from being perfectly happy. In one sense, when we make it the the all and end all, the guide, that the God, hmm, that everything bows before, and so forth. When it's employed hmm, as a as a, as a, as an assistant. To faith, we call this Shastra Yukti. And this is, Yukti means reasoning. Reasoning based on revelation. So this is what the Goswamis are doing. They're reasoning about what must be going on inside to cause that outside appearance in Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And then they've written about that. And so acquainting ourselves with that is a, is a, is a good use of the spiritual use of the intellect, rather than being used by the intellect at the cost of ever you know, knowing the self, what to speak of
2: <laughs>
0: knowing that consciousness is different from matter, what to speak of, knowing what, what the potential of consciousness is in, 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 in a world of consciousness, the difference between consciousness and matter is just the A B Cs of what consciousness is. It's different from matter. It doesn't say much about it. It's not matter. It's not this, and it's not that. What it is, and what its potential is, and what possibilities there are—again, they are unlimited. There is no impossible in the in the, in the dictionary in that plane. Hmm? No doubt, uh, there and here, you know, this is a plane of doubt. So we use the very thing, intellect, that hmm? is uh, that we are guided by, to some extent. We, we're using that for going there. That's what the to take the literature or take the experience, and try to articulate it and, and lo- locate it. They try to locate the ecstasy of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu on the map of the sacred texts and point out, um, you know, what it was, what it meant, and so forth. So, so inside, so inside, this prame is filled with with ecstasy, and outside, it, it looks otherwise. And that plays out even on the level of the practitioner, who doesn't have a lot of ecstasy. Who comes in and practices and, and forgoes certain things because they know they won't be useful for practice, things that people think you can't live without. Hmm? I mean, you're all vegetarian, so some people say, "What do you eat?" And that's not so bad anymore. It used to be like that. When I was a kid, vegetarian was a, was, a, was, a, was a bad word. Um, they were like. Vegetarian, vegeto, veg-o- vegophobia or something, you know. Was <laughs> even yogurt was like weird, weird. You eat that steak? <laughs> is it? Um, you know. So now, yogurt. Forget about it, yoga. Is more popular than yogurt was then. You know. Now, so this is the subtle influence of the East on the West. Hmm. As a, of course, it's a side point, but the nature of Eastern thought is, is always subtle, indirect. The Western is in your face, encounter, get it, arrest it, understand it, conquer it, and so forth. So the Eastern thinking is very different, but it's very powerful. Hmm? It's very subtle. I, I was given a book uh, some time back of the history of Asian art and its influence on the West. Hmm? And it was very interesting. It's a big book um, uh, from the Stanford uh, bookstore. But um, it was very interesting to sh- that they, they kind of detailed the history and the, and the subtle influences of Asian art on architecture and uh, in the West and, and in all fields. And it's it's like, you, you know, you, you, you're caught, you know. It, it's, it's got you, where know, you don't even know it and you're captured and suddenly the dichotomy between East and West is, is false. It doesn't exist anymore. Hmm. And East won or something like that or it's whatever, you know. <laughs> or it's, uh, it's, there's Of course, it's good on both sides and to bring them together is what I'm talking about. But, but at any rate, yes. So even for the sadhaka, hmm, it looks like well, how do you? Cheats. You know, you don't do this, you don't do that, and you get up early in the morning. How, how can, how can you do that? And it looks, like, poisonous. Or on the outside, it looks very disconcerting. But on the inside, it's very comforting to the to the sadhaka, hmm? Meanwhile, conversely, the world looks very inviting hmm? because of our angle of vision. It looks like all the sense objects. The objects of sight and and smell and taste and so forth and touch are all going. Touch me, touch me, taste me, hmm? eat me, smell me, hmm? and uh, they're all talking about me. Hmm? I see myself as the center and, and so forth. The world looks very inviting, but it's just not working out. <laughs> My kingdom is just like I don't have enough, well, you know, citizens and servants, <laughs> and it's just not working. <laughs> There's a struggle here. Uh, everyone is in their, own, in their own sovereign mental domain, so to speak. Um, so it looks good on the outside, but on the inside, just the opposite. It's, it's, it's very um, uh, uncomfortable. I've said often that we live in the world of our mind, which is not comfortable for us, but we want everybody else to live inside of it and be comfortable. That's very unreasonable proposal. You should think like I do, hmm? even though the way I think doesn't make me very happy. Yeah. But the misery loves company, so if more people think the way I do, then we can call it happiness, hmm? as miserable as it as it may be, objectively speaking. So, so at any rate, um, faith and belief, they have been distinguished in this way by some of our uh, esteemed uh, teachers. And what I like to say also is that it is a little bit of faith or a little bit of experience hmm, that takes us further on the path in terms of conviction and perseverance hmm, in, in the midst of the storm of the, of the mind and the senses that often you know, flare up in the sadhaka and the practitioner's life. A little bit of experience, and you, when I were talking about experience of yourself, how it takes you so much further then volumes and volumes and volumes of dogma and, and theory not that we shouldn't you know we should be acquainted with the theory it will it is meant to help corner us in such a way that we have no alternative but to act in such a way that we will get experience which a drop of which hmm, will be more confirming than an ocean of theory and we need an ocean of theory to get it, often to get a drop of experience hmm? then again we may get a drop of experience with no theory at all, hmm? isn't it? And people may come on the basis of that and, and that will hold them and then the theory will refine their understanding intellectually and so forth and hopefully, as I say, this is the idea, foster a kind of practice that will eventually result in consistent experience. And so nishta means, applies consistency, hmm? steadiness it 's a it's a it's a it's a it 's a humble conviction and there 's a difference between confidence and, and pride mm. um, One can be confident that they don 't know much overall and make and sound like they know a lot because they're really saying if you really listen i don 't know very much and it, but it 's okay because you can 't know everything mm. but you but you can but you can love and that is as far as you can know, something like that. So, in other words, everything doesn't—it's not going to fit and be arrested in the fist of your uh, your, your your intellect. Hmm? It's a—it's a, in a sense, the spiritual talk is, is is one of exposing the shortcomings of intellect. Like I said, lack of trust in that way of knowing is part of nishtha. So, and is a kind of a, a kind of a confidence, but it's a confidence that's. Um, it's, it's, it's based on consistent experience. Hmm? Because, why is it based on consistent experience? Because the intellect is also engaged. That was my point. Whereas, in anishta, bhajana kriya, the stage where the practice is not steady, hmm? yeah. the mind and the senses are drawing in such, on one in such a way that the, that the unholy, as I described it last night, wedding between intellect and mind, hmm, there hasn't been a proper divorce there, hmm? and and so intellect is, is is rather than working on the side of the soul by being by through being nourished by spiritual texts and advice and so forth, is uh, wedded to the mind and the senses, and when they flare up and so forth and it becomes it's assist, it's assistant and it, and it's problematic. So so we can be in motion with our senses and to some extent our 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 mind. Really, the the motion of the senses in relation to spiritual sense objects is meant to arrest the mind hmm? and, the, and 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 to uh, uh, then lead to a spiritually. Wise or intellectually, spiritually, intellectually guided life. That's kind of what I'm talking about at Nishtha. So the intellect is involved there in a way that it's not involved. That's the whole idea. When we deviate from the path, when there's a moral lapse and so forth, we're not being reasonable. Hmm? It's not a question of this is right and this is wrong. It's a question of are you being reasonable? Is it in your interest to do things that are not in your interest? I mean, and, and, we, and we know all the time that I want, my mind demands, my senses demand to do something, that if I would just sit and think, it's not, that's not going to be good for me, but I, I do it anyway. You ever have that experience? So, you know, I mean, is there a moment you haven't had? To, so, you know, so rather than frame the whole thing as a moral for example, argument, you shouldn't do this, and you shouldn't, and it's bad, and then you'll go to hell if you do this and that. These are ways of talking about it, but they may not be very compelling in the world today that doesn't care for do's and don'ts that don't seem to apply, that are moral laws from ancient times, and so forth. So we have to gravitate towards, well as we should, principles and the application of reason and so forth, and and I shouldn't do this because there will be certain consequence, and they won't be in my interest, and, and then it just, it's just very personal. Hmm? It's not like somebody has imposed some laws and for some reason I've got to follow them. Hmm? No, if I do this, rather than that, my spiritual life will be inhibited, my material life will be inhibited. Hmm? My pursuit of happiness will be inhibited ultimately. There's an immediate prospect for happiness and then there's a longer vision like, oh, maybe I should forego the immediate for the longer. I could just hang out or I could go to school in education. And later on, you know, when I'm not so attractive because I'm not young anymore and everybody's in after me for one reason or another, uh, the corporations, the military, the whatever, you know, the cults and whatever, everybody's after the youth. Uh, well, that's why they should look to Krishna. He's eternally youthful. Adolescence is very, very, very attractive. Hmm. So when it's gone, when it disappears, then what have you got left? You've got no charm left. If you haven't got any education or skill, you're like, to the, you know, retired to the dustbin. So so the, this is a side, of course, we should, we should try to harness youth. We should try to harness our youth in some way hmm? with good guidance we be, could become such that young people will follow us in our old age. Hmm? We really have the youth, you see, <laughs> I get a youth through so many of you, <laughs> so I stay young, <laughs> of course, i 've got some old friends too, but you know they do the same thing, you know, by associating with me so <laughs> so so experience in, in ishta there 's a prospect of consistent experience because the intellect is <coughs> operative spiritually, hmm? it's, it's, it knows well, because of being well-informed by the argument. Hmm? It's an argument in favor of, of a world beyond thinking, hmm? be, beyond belief, a world of faith, a world of no doubt. Hmm? Um, and, and again, we live in a world of doubt, so there's reason to believe. Well, how can there be, doubt is absence of faith, so there must be a world of faith for there to be doubt. Hmm. It's a simple argument, but... um, So, in in nishtha, before the state of nishtha, the intellect is not fully... It's not fully operative. Uh, In bhakti, it's not fully informed. It doesn't even know how to make always the right decision. What is the siddhanta? What isn't the siddhanta, for example? And that's going to... The conclusions, that's going to get in the way of your ability to practice... Somebody can say that we think, think that's a good idea, that sounds interesting. But is it, does it conform with what the description, if you will, the articulation, the philosophical explanation of what Chaitanya Dev's ecstasy is? Hmm? What is Mahabhav? Does it conform with that? If not, and we're following, that's as far as we're going to be astray, if you will, from the experience of Mahabhav through our practice. Hmm? which is the, the blessed gift, that opportunity that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu gives. So, again, everybody's not, you know, supposed to be a, be a Hridainanda or something. You know, he's a smart guy. Uh, an intellectual, is to use a, an example. Uh, but, um, but we could tie ourselves to someone who is so, is, is spiritually well-informed and spiritually experienced and so forth. And, as I said, there are two types of uh, constant uh, preoccupation with the Bhagavad, the Book of Bhagavad, and the person Bhagavad. So, so in, in you know, you have senses, you have a mind, you have intellect. Unless they are all engaged, well, there's a good chance that you're, according to what the measure of them, hmm, there's a good chance that your practice is not going to be steady. Because all of you is not engaged, all of you, materially speaking, hmm? and all the mind intellect and senses; these are all creating our material sense of self, if you will. Hmm? By the hunkar, by the by the false ego, we identify with matter, and it has these shapes: physical, the mental, the intellectual plane. So all of that has to be uh, engaged, and then when all of those instruments hmm, that are in, the, the, all of that which is instrumental in creating and constructing this false I. Ahankar is the word for false ego and literally it means what? Ahankara. Kara means doer or action or maker and aham means I, I maker. So the ahankar is an I maker. It makes up an I, an identity. It's a made up I. I am American. I am Indian. I am a man. I am These are all made up. And the instruments for making it up, hmm? the, all these ingredients, the, the, all these instruments—they have to be engaged hmm? in de- deconstructing that I. Hmm? You follow? Hmm? And they, it, it, uh, because the I is based on my sense of my, and nothing is mine. Hmm? I think I'm American because this is my country. Hmm? just to give an example. And you trace it out, you look and you see your I, your sense of I, is completely tied to your sense of my. And the reality is nothing belongs to you, as time will tell. And so the I that comes out of that is as illusory as your idea that something belongs to you. Hmm? So it has no standing. Uh, But now to practically deconstruct it, you know, it's a task. So you need, intellect has to be employed too. And we deconstruct it in the context of employing the mind, the body, and its senses and intellect in Krishna's service. Hmm? And so, simultaneously, while the false I is being deconstructed, the actual I of first-person experiential existence, hmm, a unit of that, comes to the fore and its potential has in conjunction with bhakti has the potential to um, to be uh, you know a participant in the world of faith and the free movement there and so forth so that 's how intellect comes into play in the stage of nishta, which in turn affords some consistent experience that drives one to the point where where the sound of the mind and the and the the clamoring of the senses is quieted down. It's just like if you have someone that, uh, who is just bothering you, you know. You, you, if you just there's people like that. Sometimes when we were young, we used to sell books, and some Christian guy would come up and say, "Have you read the Bible?" You know, <laughs> that's a false doctrine. You know, just go on. He try to say, "Don't buy that." You know, he's trying to. He would like to offer you the bug, but don't buy that from that guy. Do they think God is blue. You know, or something like. that. So you, you try to... Okay, let me talk to the guy. Here, look, let's have a, you know, you have a discussion. The more you talk to them, the more they're feeding on that. And just go. So you, my tactic was just ignore the guy. That's Just ignore him. Just totally ignore him. And then they have nothing to feed on and they go away. So similarly, it's just kind of like that. You're kind of ignoring, hmm, the, in this stage, the mind and the clamoring of the senses. Hmm, and... And and your intellect is preoccupied with the teaching, its purpose, and, and, and your purpose, and and so forth. And you're you're driven and engaged accordingly. And so, they they go away. Hmm. That clamoring goes away. Hmm. And um, and then t- actual attachment to bhakti comes in the next stage, ruchi. So this is kind of the idea of nishta. It's a lack of trust. Hmm. And you see, the Prabhupada really harped on this. Lack of trust in sense perception. And his was a simple argument like, you know, uh, how can I believe that somebody has forearms and, you know, ten heads, something in Indian mythology and so forth. And, you know, he would say something like, well, how can you believe in your senses? You know, what you perceive with them. And and that there are, you know, you, you think we perceive that there are hard things out there. I was listening to Henry Stapp, um, in an interview, he's a physicist, he asked about his quantum interactive dualism. He's an interesting guy, and he has some affiliation, had some affiliation in the past with Gaudiya Vaishnavism. And he was asked that, well, is it, you know, that um, about, uh, is it dualistic or, or, or monistic, and, Dualism is not real popular in the scientific community. He said, "Well, it is dualistic, but but the more you look at matter from the quantum perspective, the more it becomes like mind, or the more it becomes like consciousness. Hmm? So if you want to make a case for, there's only one thing," Shatomar said, "We we'll make a case for there's only consciousness." Hmm? more reasonable to think that matter is an emergent property of consciousness than to think that consciousness is an emergent property of matter. Why don't we go the other way around? Hmm? It's possible that out of, out of experience, a non-experiencing reality will manifest. I mean, practically, that is what's happening. <laughs> right? We think of something, thought results in matter arranging itself in such a way that it becomes an apparent thing. Hmm? Right? Of course, it's the matter to start with, but anyway, matter and consciousness—they, of course, in Godi Vedanta they're very—they're not so different. The big argument in, 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 in science: is, well, if consciousness is entirely different than matter, how can it influence matter? Where do they touch? Why can't we measure it? And of course, we're not—we're soft on it in one sense. We say, well, you know, both are not entirely different. Matter and consciousness—they're both shaktis of Bhagwan. Hmm. So they're the same in that respect; they're one, and they're different. Hmm? So, and they know, also, sometimes the example is given the shadow and the substance. So, if the shadow moves as the substance does, and they never touch. Go ahead touch your shadow. You know, you can't do that, but it's moving. Hmm? It's kind of a Leibniz had an argument like this, I think, a long time ago. So the world is moving under the influence of consciousness. It doesn't have to touch it. And it doesn't. That's our theory also. In the theory of of consciousness never really touches matter. Still it's moving it. Hmm? And God has a chintishakti, inconceivable potency. Hmm? So at any rate, Nishta is something like this and it, and it gives us consistent experience because the practice is consistent. The consistency of the practice is such that material seeds... While still present in the heart, they cannot fructify. There's no chance for them to fructify because you keep pouring the water of spiritual practice on them. And as I said the other day, if you have seeds and you keep pouring water on them, they're not—you know—they're not going to fructify. So they can't fructify. This is um, this is kind of a, a kind of a, a beginning of real experiential spiritual life because the possibility of material experience in terms of the distraction that it constitutes and so forth, there's not really any possibility of it. Hmm? I mean, there's a possibility but, but, you know, one's conducting oneself in such a way that for all intents and purposes there's not, welcome. So, um, so therefore, the faith, the firm faith of nishta, it's firmed not just by you know, by engaging the intellect in such a way that there is consistent experience, and experience is millions of times a drop of it, as I say, more confirming than an ocean of theory. Hmm? But we need an ocean of theory to get a drop of experience. So, therefore, the Gosamis have written so many books and so on and so forth. And it's all real simple when it comes down to it, and you can throw all the books out at a certain point. Hmm? But in order to get there and just and, and begin, then. We we need some some good arguments hmm, for changing our habits, if you will. That have been formed in youth since when? Since forever? Hmm? Since Anadi, From from time without a beginning? Hmm? So so this is what we mean in one sense by nishta. and it's it's it, it is a stage in which there is conviction, as I said. You're you're found and lost at the same time. But it's, a good, it's good to be lost in that You're found, I know what I am and I know where I'm going, but what possibilities lie there? They were all detailed in a book that I understood with my intellect, but I see now that's only the table of contents. Hmm? What, there's a whole, what, what's so many pages and, and I'll write my own page there. Hmm? Uh, this is very uh, exciting, it's very humbling. That's why nishta, although it's full of conviction, this stage is very humbling at the same time. Therefore, Mahaprabhu has described it in words like Trinada Pisuni Chena. He said, Kirtaniya Sadahari. That means nishta, Kirtaniya Sadahari. That the, con, the, 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 the engagement is constant, consistent. There's no interruption. Hmm? And it's humbling. Hmm? Because you realize, you, you have some sense of what you're coming before. Previously, you see, you thought about it. You see, this is inevitable. The sadhaka will think about it as something that I can capture without consciously thinking that. Hmm? I can capture it. Krishna's a thing. <laughs> you don't think like that overtly, but covertly, you do. it's a thing that I can capture. <laughs> when you realize, I can't capture this. It's not a thing, and I'm not a thing. And whoa, it's, a, it's very humbling, and you feel as dependent of an entity as you are hmm? we are a dependent entity, but we don't feel as dependent hmm? as we are we're relying upon something that's very um unreliable hmm? but we've somehow learned to rely upon it our intellect, the guidance of our senses we've learned to rely on these things and repeatedly they're giving us you know just dis- disappointing results but But what else is there? Hmm? And along comes the idea of faith through association and so forth that sounds very ethereal and uh, intangible and so forth. But if by good fortune we get it, I say, a drop of that, then there will hold us in place. Hmm? And, And there will be many storms, storms in your own mind, storms of your senses, storms from outside, other people who you relied on, they become unreliable. That's a storm also. But there's a little experience that ground us. I'm not going anywhere. When I joined Prabhupada, you know, I've said this before, that for some reason I thought, I'm joining this, I'm following him. And I thought to myself, even if everybody else leaves, I'm not moving from here. That's what I thought. I had no idea what would happen. <laughs> A lot of things happen. <laughs> a lot of storms, so to speak. So a little, little experience, very grounding. So, so we tend, Pooja Pachitamaraj used to speak about it this way, as I've quoted Vinod, he, he, he relegated belief to the realm of intellect and faith to the realm of the soul proper. Prabhupada, in the same way, using different words, would say, it's not, this is not a belief. It's not just a belief. Didn't he say, wouldn't he say that? It's, uh, it's not just a faith. What he meant was it's not just a belief. It's, uh, he, what he meant is, it was, it, what is, there's a system to it. There's a method to the madness of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and it can be demonstrated and it can be experienced. Hmm? Um, and the experience, this, is, this means a world of faith. It means doubt is cleared. Hmm? So there's free movement. We're no longer proceeding with caution. Hmm? And here, at best, in this world, intellect being the upper rung on the ladder of the material hierarchy, at best we're moving with a proceed with caution type of a polite, you know, it's a little stuffy, you know, uh, type of movement. Hmm? So we, we really want, that's why we're attracted to animals. The wild, isn't it? Here we are. We're intellectual, you know, intellectually endowed to be civilized and cultured and so forth. And we we see the value of that. But we like to watch the animals run wild, and, and we we like that <laughs> because actually it's, it's, it's interesting. The soul is like that. It's wild. It's not wild. It's wild in a wise way. Hmm? Not, you know. So if you look closely at it, you go, well, they're bound up. You know, worse than we are, actually, the animals and they're, they're, you know they're struggling, and, uh, and, 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 and one living being is food for another, and so forth. But at a glance, there's a, there's an innate attraction in human uh, mind, the human mind, the human heart for the wildness of the world. And so we don't we we really want bruhj bhakti, <laughs> not even you know. Reverential bhakti is more human. It's more close to the human experience. Hmm? So, uh, so let her. Do you want Just one clarification. So, because you asked.
1: That's very clear. That's very clear about uh, Nishtha in, in the path. Mm-hmm. So the question that, that would be, um, I just didn't think of faith in the spiritual world as being foundational. So I'm looking for a, like a synonym. I'm trying to wrap my head around like a synonym.
0: Yeah, implicit trust. You trust, you used that and uh, trust, and confidence. And experience. Yeah, yeah, trust, confidence, experience. It's a kind of a knowing, it's a knowing, hmm? the know. experiential
1: knowing. It's, it's experiential knowing.
0: Yeah, it's a knowing. Be, yeah, and that
1: becomes that is the foundation. Yeah. And it just gets deeper and deeper and deeper, and that's why you can just give your whole self just without any worry or regard.
0: If you love someone, then you believe them. Yeah. <laughs> you pay attention to them, you listen to them, you, you, you trust them. Hmm? So, yeah, in love, trust is implicit, right?
1: Because I thought, you know, the spiritual world loves love. I mean, what you need is faith. What's faith there? It's, it's love. Uh-huh. So I'm, I'm,
0: that's where I was born. Yeah, yeah. So that was helpful. Man. Yes.
1: When you were speaking, for some reason I got this feeling that Nishta then is that stage where free love begins. It's like all of a sudden, you know, the real free love, not this free love from the 60s, but like, like you, by being attached, by being free of the influence of the wrongs, the influence of the intellect, and now the intellect is purposed correctly, now there's this freedom, as you described, to,
0: to yeah, roam. Yeah, there's freedom. There's freedom. There's freedom. You can drive freely if you read the manual and get the license. You know, if you think, I want to drive, and I just want to drive, you know freely on the road, then, you know, the chances of crashing are very great. Whereas if you study the rules of the road, then you can freely drive on the road, something like that. So, so there's some kind of place for, you know, um, certain parameters of whatever rules and that underlie the math, as I like to say, underlies the art of Krishna Lila. So Nishtha is like you're getting that all in, in place. So you're getting the, some, the, the wisdom in place for, which is part of the equation of wise love. Hmm? So the wisdom is in place. Now there's a, there's a prospect for loving based on wisdom rather than your love being you know, a deviation from reason and, and, and not in your interest. Hmm? Yes? So we were having this discussion the other day about faith and... and, and so, does
3: faith in Krishna, it's, it's a component of the Sup Shakti, and it's the ingress of bhakti that actually gets us that food. So, you know, just like you say that people who don't have any Sukriti, have Sukriti for bhakti, won't have faith in bhakti. So, is it a
1: component of, of
0: that Sup sort of Shakti, that kind of described faith as <laughs> the halo of Radharani, the halo of Radharani. So, so she trusts Krishna, <laughs> something like that. So the halo of Radharani. So, um, and Radharani is the Mahabhava Sarupani, so she's the full face of the Sarup-shakti. Uh, so, um, and, and you know, this speaks of a, of a governing principle of a world that is all, there, there's no doubt there's no doubt. There's no. There's. There's no proceeding with caution. It's thrown to the wind. You don't have to think there. What a great. You know how great that is. You don't have to think. It, it's, 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 it's. 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 You're not burdened by that. Hmm? So. Um, so yes, and Krishna says in, in the Bhagavatam, the of course, that uh, there he describes faith in the mode of ignorance, faith in the mode of passion. Faith in the mode of goodness, which is faith in atma, and faith in me, is transcendental. And so, where are we going to get that from somebody who has faith and the full face of that faith, if you will, trust, hmm? love, they all got to go together. Hmm? That is uh, personified in, in Radha, therefore there's a little Radha in every uh, devotee. Hmm? And so, from and we get that from such persons who have that faith, we're associating them with it it's you know how do you how do you get faith that's interesting I mean, somebody's got it somehow un- immeasurably <laughs> it's transferred hmm? right it's contagious, and you can't like measure it. you can see he had it, she didn't now she's got it must have come from him, but you can't like there's nothing you can measure it with, so it's uh Yeah, it comes from up to down and it takes us from down to up. Yes?
4: So you spoke about the the false materialistic sense of self,
3: which is derived from our association with uh, matter. So as this is deconstructed, as you said, then the true self or sense of who I am spiritually has to replace that. At what stage of our practice does that manifest in a tangible way?
0: Right, so there's two things there. One, one thing is that you're clearing off the false identity. You're deconstructing the false I. Hmm? Right? But you're not doing it... You're doing it, but you're not doing it on your, on your own. Hmm? In other words, you're doing it with the... Um, Assistance of bhakti, because the way you're doing it is in the context of bhakti. Hmm, right? So bhakti has come to you, and you're and engaging, it's engaging your senses, your mind, your intellect, and is the, is the real kind of vehicle for, instrument for, for most effectively deconstructing the false ego. So it's, de- as it deconstructs the false eye, hmm, it is constructing a real eye from the very beginning. Now, at one point it's going to seem more like what's happening is the false eye is being deconstructed more than the real eye that, has, that jiva has the potential of in connection, with, in connection with bhakti. The real eye being, I am a gopa, I am a gopi. Hmm. Um, at, some, at one point, it's going to seem like what's happening more is there's a deconstruction going on than there is a construction going on hmm? of, a, of, of, of another, an enduring I made out of consciousness, right? Um, and so, while that real I is being made out of consciousness, being constructed from day one... Hmm? There is a point where we say, "Oh, it's so obvious that it's happening here, that it's happening now, at this point," and 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 this is what uh, how Rupa Goswami defines Bhava Bhakti. Prema Suryam Like a ray of the of the sun of Prema, hmm? Bhava comes into the heart of the jiva. It's constituted of a Particular combination of ladini and sandini, the ecstasy and knowing potency of the sarup shakti, of Krishna's internal power. Hmm. It means a certain kind of knowing and a certain kind of corresponding ecstasy. I know myself to be a gopa hmm. of this type. And there's a certain type of ecstasy. So the development of the stai bhav, sneha, pranay, manrag, bhav, according to the, the kind of knowing that you have i am a gopi and then there will be corresponding ecstasy ladini so this is this is bhava bhakti hmm? and then there's a hands on cultivation of that identity an uh, effort to step into it participate in the leelas is in, internal of course hmm? this is the siddha hmm? uh, it means a who's become perfect and is cultivating the perfection into its perfection to cultivate the, the ray of the sun of prem into the sun itself, so to speak, to follow it into the sun. Hmm. So, that said, earlier stages, like we were talking about nishta, there's, there's a, a very uh, considerable uh, 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 progress with regard to deconstructing hmm. the false eye. Hmm. It's kind of the in-between stage. What appears prominent is that the false eye is deconstructed, and then there is at least an intellectual identification with a prospect hmm? that's well reasoned according to the Siddhanta and so forth. Hmm? So maybe an intellectual eye would like to be a handmaiden of Radha, for example. I've seen it. Hmm? I've, it's thought the, it's in, in, or the friend of Krishna. So, so And it, this is then it corresponds with. Understanding of what opportunity the sampradaya is actually offered, hmm? what windows of opportunity are there. It's not like, I think I, I decided I wanted to be a stone, you know. <laughs> I I decided I wanted to be a pebble under the foot of Nishringadev or something, you know. I think what, you didn't you didn't use your intellect very well to understand what what was happening here, hmm? right? So, so in there, so there's a like there. There can be, you know, in, 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 in this stage, Ishta, this kind of intellectual identification with an ideal, spiritually, you know, fortified intellectual identification, but short of experience. Hmm? Uh, and then, as you go to ruchi, ruchi means taste. So intellect is still operative in the stage of ruchi, but ruchi is not is, is specific; it's not generic. Hmm? So, there's a specific taste, a liking for bhakti in a particular way. And so, there'll be identification with Krishna in a particular way. And as that's cultivated, the object of one's bhakti, Krishna, is a particular form of Krishna that corresponds with what? With a particular type of bhakti. Hmm? You see, that's why, you understand, that's why Ruchi speaks this. It doesn't just mean, I got fired up, when I was chanting. That's very, it's good but it's not specific. Hmm? Ruji means more than that. It's very it has to be specific because the next state is asakti. And asakti is attachment to the object of love. So that object of love has to co- is gonna be particular and specific and it has to correspond with a type of love. There can't be one, type, just a generic type of love of Krishna, a taste for Krishna that's gonna have a corresponding specific object of love. Like Mahaprabhu says, I want to live in the house of Nanda Maharaj. Hmm? It means he's thinking of himself like Radha and he wants to have Nanda Maharaj as his father-in-law because a girl would move into a father at the father's house hmm? of, the hu- of, the, of the husband. Hmm? I want to be the kinkari, hmm? the kinkari, the maid servant. In the house of Nanda Maharaj. it sounds a little sexist, but you know, you have to look at the things <laughs> have, from a spiritual uh, perspective. Hmm? So, she wants to live in the house of Nanda Maharaj and do whatever you know a girl would do in the house of her husband and serve the, the father-in-law, and you know, so on and so forth. So, it means in he, he's uh, aspiring for Madhurasa, and he sees Christian a particular way. Hmm? So the object of love is coming into focus, but it corresponds with the kind of love, the, the feeling. Of, uh, so in Ruchi, is specific. Hmm? There would be a specific taste. Hmm? So this is then, you're, you're now, have really kind of entered the positive side. In the early practice, you're, you're, your practice isn't consistent, so you're still kind of going through the motions and, and ups and downs and... So you get a little experience, you don't have experience, you, you practice, you, you, you become apathetic, you don't practice, and then you get good association. Yes, I should practice, and this kind of thing. In that stage, the most important thing that you can have is sadhusanga association with saintly persons. More important than your practice itself. Hmm? Because left under yourself, you know, <laughs> right? So it's difficult. So they will fortify you, carry you. Then, when you get to Nishta, you're kind of in this, in between. Practice is consistent, but it's some experience, but it's not, it's not specific. It's not. You're not really. You, the seeds of material desire are still there. They're still like in proximity, so to speak, to the material world and the possibilities of, of in, in, such indulgence and identification and so forth. That's why Mahaprabhu says in, in Ruchi, nam, nah, nam, I don't even think about these, I have no interest in them. Hmm? So that's in between. Now you go to Ruchi, you come on the positive side. Hmm? You're on the negative side, you're in kind of, in a, kind of a clearing. You're know, you came, you're in the forest, you came to a clearing. Now you're in the pasture. Okay, You're there, you're in the pasture, so to speak. It's a big pasture, you know. Anyway, so so you're going and you're going to get milked, you know. So you gotta to get to the other side and get milked. Give. Give yourself. So ruchi is something so That's what Shidamar said, well, Ruchi didn't want to safe there. Hmm? Can help others. From ruchi, Asakti. So the specific taste corresponds with a specific object and then that carries one into bhava-bhakti, from practice to ecstasy. Hmm. So, a little bit in and with the spiritual intellect, more in ruchi, more in asakti, bhava-bhakti. Hmm. Now, in a really meaningful sense, hmm. not only in a meaningful sense, one should, but one, or one can, but the entirety of the practice, is based around hands-on cultivation of that um, identity internally. Hmm? Whereas before that stage of bhava bhakti, there, there could be some of that to some extent, but uh, more of the emphasis is on sharanagati surrender, developing faith, acquiring some to gyan, proper understanding, so that you get the proper orientation, foster the right type of action, doubt.
4: Well, I very much about this idea of sort of specificity in relation to these windows of opportunity. In the Ashwagod Shlok that we talked about last night, it says, Ujmala Ras Swabhakti Sriyam, the implication that Mahaprabhu is giving this particular treasure of his Swabhakti, his own bhakti, which is Ujmala Ras. So, in this sort of Anishtha, Vajtukriya and before Anishtha, you know, Asati and, and so forth, is the implication that that should be held out as the theoretical idea, this Ujvala Ras, which is kind of the specific treasure that is alluded to in the benediction, and then it becomes more, it maybe moves in another direction later, or becomes more refined?
0: Yeah, the answer, it's not Ujvala Rasa, but Unato Ujvala Rasa. It means... <clears throat> More than that, hmm? that of course we're going to should discuss that, but but very much in, in in brief, the idea there is that that the furthest reach what Mahaprabhu came to experience was 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 the love of Radha for himself, hmm? and there's a way that the jivas can experience the same thing that he came to experience, hmm? and it's taught. Hmm? And it but it's called una to jvalasa so because the Ujjvalarasa itself is dependent upon certain um, players hmm? in other words, for Radha to experience the the the, the Mahabhav in relation to Krishna, she's dependent upon her 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 assistance hmm? and so the <laughs> So the experience of Una to Ujvalaras is the experience of the assistants. They're, they're, they're given an even higher position, in a, in, in a sense. Hmm? And so that is the way, and through that,
2: hmm,
0: the, the byproduct, so to speak, of Mahaprabhu experiencing is, just, is just distributing it. And so up to this point, one can experience the full fullness of, uh, of everything that Mahaprabhu came to give. You can't do it just like Mahaprabhu did it, but like Radha does it, but like a handmaiden of Radha. And indeed, some argue that exceeds even the experience, that Radha's love is dependent upon that. She's dependent upon her. Because there are certain arrangements that are made, need to be made in order for that to happen. Now your question, if I understand it properly, is more about, well, you know, you find someone someone else like Vrindavan Das Thakur as a Saka. So how does that work? When Mahaprabhu came to give Una Tojala Rasa Sobhakti Sriyam, it's his own pursuit. How does that work? Well, there's different ways to think about that, of course. One is that he didn't come alone. Hmm? right? In fact, his main helper in the whole affair is Nitinandaram, hmm? And he said, you can't understand Chaitanya Mahaprabhu without going through him. It's possible that in the context of going through him, someone may be waylaid, so to speak, by, by his uh, particular hm? and we find that in the sampradaya. Hmm? so we have to look on the ground you know and see how the theory in the book is is played out, and so we find that the pursuit of the is, is 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 widespread, but there are also some pursuit of for example, Sakuras by the influence of Nitinaanabu, and of course, in the end that 's also a component that 's required. Hmm? That Sakya rasa for that Unatozara Rasa or the ujbala rasa to be fully um, played out and experienced. So Krishna came with 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 some assistance, hmm? form of Balaram. So actually, that's there. Therefore, while Krishna thus makes the darg- the argument, ultimately hmm? this verse we were reading last night. This is the other part of it we didn't get to, but th- that that. Uh, 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 is explained in Ramnam Sambad. Hmm? That's where it goes, all the way to to and, the, and, and and Radha's love within that, and 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 ultimately to her attendants, hmm? and and by following them, how one can get that. That's where where it ends up. Still, um, he makes. This verse we were talking about last night, he explains that in the fourth chapter. Then again, he's explaining it in the eighth chapter in the Ramana Samvad, so to speak. Hmm? It, and that and a couple of and the, 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 succeeding ver, precede, the succeeding verses in the Mangal Charan. So, at the same time, each time he does it in the fourth chapter, later on in the Adilila, in the eighth chapter in the Madilila, he also pauses and he says, but, of course... Each rasa of each devotee is the best, hmm? subjectively. And um, and he also in the fourth chapter where he explains this verse he he, he, he says Chaitanya Mahaprabhu came to give the four bhavas of Braj Dasisakya Batsalya Madurya. So the first three they're all included in Nityananda Prabhu. Hm? That's his other self. So you can't really separate the two. Nityananda Prabhu is his other self, and this is he's steeped in Saky mixed with Vatsali and and, and Dasya. Hmm? And so but he, does that does mean he's but that does that mean he, he, he's giving out four Babas, but he's giving out two. <laughs> is that is it comma? Kamarupa and Samandarupa. But Samandarupa has three inside of it. Hmm? Kamarupa has one, the romantic love. So he's giving, he's giving four, but in the context of giving two, one of the two has three inside of it. Hmm? And so what really happens, therefore, is you don't find all kinds of vatsalya Bhaktas or Dasya Bhaktas springing up in Gaudiya Vaishnavism, but you do find Sakas, and some of them have mixed with Dasya some of them have mixed with Vatsalya. Hmm? What about those who have mixed with Madhurya, hmm? the special, very special Sakas, friends of Krishna?
2: Hmm?
0: Well, you know, uh, they they came too with Cheta, with, with Nityananda Prabhu. Subal, for example, was one of the Priyanarmas. He came, one of the Dwarasapalas, he came with Nityananda Prabhu. And of course, there's every reason to believe that one's Sakha, Sakya, could be mixed with Madhurya. Given the, given the mix <laughs> that's available, so to speak, those windows, as I put it, of, op- of opportunity. Hmm? Does that help? Yeah, very much so. Yes. Yeah. David? Is it Sukriti that moves us, not that that's the right word to use,
1: but moves us through the different stages, or, or where does Sukriti
0: work? How does that work in Well, that Sukriti is talked about in different ways. Sukriti means like piety, but here it refers to bhakti. So that which fosters kind of a bhakti merit or, you know, it could be also called a bhakti samskar a tendency. Usually the sakriti word is used to, to describe the stages that are prior to actually having faith, which enables one to walk the path, tread the path, so to speak. And it comes in un- unknowingly and then with partial knowing. So unknowingly one participates in bhakti, hmm? And gets affected by it without knowing it, hmm? and enough of that accumulates, and one starts to have some knowledge about bhakti and participate in it with some knowledge. Like that's interesting. Hmm. I think I'll check that out. I'll go to the let's go to the temple, you know, over at uh, at in, uh, uh, Krishna Road. You know, check it out. Uh, that was fun. Tonight, when the next week, we'll go somewhere else, and then next week we'll maybe try the temple again. You know, I like that chanting. You know? So there's some and some understanding of what it is but not the like the understanding like this is what it is this is what i've been looking for this is you know so then that is called shraddha hmm? so sometimes it's talked about that sukriti is retired at that point and it matured into shraddha hmm? but then sometimes we also talk about sukriti in terms of like just like further you have further exposure to bhakti you get more of a tendency for it naturally and you become habituated, more of a sungskar for bhakti. You do the practices. You don't think you're getting that much out of it, but you're getting a sungskar for it. You're getting a scar. You know, now you're, you're, you're working, you know, There's there's maybe unfavorable winds. You're going up, you know, against the wind or upstream. Hmm? Keep practicing in time, it may turn out, in its whole life you may work upstream. Next life you'll be going downstream. Hmm? So suddenly, you hit the ground running, you know, and and, 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 and and everything comes natural to you. Your ability to understand the concepts and simulate them, you know, readily. This is, so, this is a kind of a sukritivan, hmm, sumedasaha, word in Bhagavatam describing those who participate in Sankirtan. They have Sumedasa, very fine theistic intelligence. Sridhar once rendered it sukutivan, they are possessed of a bhakti kind of merit. It's, it, it, it's a certain psychology, you know, that just, just makes all the reasoning of bhakti make sense. That's why, you see, we don't, this is not a reasonable thing that we do this. Hmm? You think, I reasoned this out, I should do it. But the reason that it sounds so attractive and makes sense to you, there is an earlier beginning in that that's transrational. Hmm? Grace of bhakti has come to you through in some life and uh, several lives, and suddenly there you find yourself. It's all making sense. Hmm? Something like that. So that's the way it's talked about. Yes.
1: Maharaj, right. from well, your description of all of these different stages, I get the understanding that these stages happen stage by stage. You don't actually overlap. Is my understanding correct?
0: Well I think that the stages are an attempt to um, talk about uh, something in, 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 a, in, a, in a way that we need. We need things to be black and white and all objective because of our absorption in the objective world. We need, we need a map, we need it all. So you can't entirely do that given the territory Hmm? You know, Krishna's everywhere. <laughs> where is he? He's everywhere. Well, where is he? Everywhere. You know? So, you know, we try to, as far as possible, give some stages. I'll give you another example. Okay. So we have the stages of Kanishta, Madhyam, Uttam. The beginner, the intermediate, and the superlative um, realizer in the devotees. But so there they are. So you get that down and you get the verses that go with them and you got it all figured out. And there was a famous article written in in from in Gaudiamat by just after the departure of Bhakti so to where uh, a devotee ex reasoned and explained nicely that there's Kanishta Kanishta, then there's the Madhyam Kanishta, and there's the Uttam Kanishta. Mm-hmm. And then there's the Kanishta Madhyam, Madhyam Madhyam, Uttam Madhyam. You get it, right? Kanishta Madhyam, Kanishta Uttam, Madhyam Uttam, Uttam Uttam. It's just a way of saying, you know, there's some overlapping here. And in, in, in that sense, all of these type of descriptions are, uh, if you want to, like, you got to get away from, like, just make them out to be, you know, just linear, if you want, if you will, they're, or black and white. But with regard to the stages, they, you know, there, there is uh, that we were talking about. These are fairly, fairly definitive marking points. Um, um, you know, you can't, you can't really have nishta overlapping with anishta. Of course, you could have periods of, that appear like nishta within anishta going for some time but you know they don't translate out into into ruchi they turn they go back into Anishta. so you know still in that stage and so there's they're fairly 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 clear lines but um some blurring is there perhaps uh, You know, i mean if you look at the Kanishta and Madhyamutam uh, analysis, there's there's so much blurring there because the very idea of making progress is foreign to the Kanishta in the classical sense. So, who's ever thinking of making progress is a Madhyam, you know, and actively cultivating the Sambandha and classically speaking, the is doesn't do that. He doesn't be why because as described in the Bhagavatam, one in the Kanista stage, isn't interested in the Vaishnav. Interested in the deity, but not in the so you can't learn anything. Can't learn anything from Krishna. He says, go over there, learn from him. If you ignore him, the Vaishnav, the devotee, then what will you learn? Yes?
4: I was wondering about you're talking about the specificity of her, I
3: guess
0: having like Sakya for Krishna or Uhhuh. Lover Krishna. What about the idea of being a servant of the Guru, a servant of Lord Chaitanya? How far does that go? I mean, it goes a long right. way. <laughs> mama, or... Yeah, and this is very practical. So you may think, well, what will be my identity in the spiritual world? And you can safely think, I will be a Dasya Baba of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Mm. And, and and be a servant of my guru, and and Chetanamahaba was the macrocosmic swasti guru, and the other gurus are all the microcosmic manifestation, Bornitinanda, the samasti guru, and it's like macrocosmic, and then the local guru, you know, is initiates you, instructs you. So is this, is this is the is the uh, what did I say S- uh, swasti and um, what's the other term samasti. Samasti? Samasti? Svasti. Yeah, Samasti and Svasti. So, the, the microcosmic manifestation of the same principle. And so, as we become a dasya, you know, in servitude of the, of the Guru, so of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And that carries all the way into the Namadvipa Lila and so forth. And arguably, you could just cultivate dasya bhav to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And in the context of doing that, at a certain point, an identity that corresponds with Krishna Leela would awaken naturally. So you can just, in this one solution, you can focus entirely. It'll be the Dasya Bhav of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Hmm? Everything else will come from that that's possible. Hmm? Yes?
3: This kind of this something that you had said some time ago that I... I'm meaning to ask you about. You were saying some some souls have eternal eternal um, relationship in the leela of Krishna, and some souls are in, eternally in Chaitanya leela, and some have both. Maybe some have maybe both, and either Krishna
0: leela. Well, Bhakti Vinod wrote like that. He said some have more affinity for Gor leela. Some have more affinity for Krishna-lila, and some have affinity for both. I don't know personally how you could have affinity for Gaur-lila and not have affinity for Krishna-lila. It seems impossible, because Gaur is only all about Krishna. Hmm. Gaur-lila is all about worshipping Krishna. It's Sadaka Siddha Bhumi. It's a land, Bhumi, where Siddhas are playing in Lila like Sadakas That's Navadweep. And the sadhana is all focused on Krishna, and so practically speaking, what happens in 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 India in the nitya lila, Gaur is worshiping Krishna, the devotees are worshiping Krishna along with him. He enters into Krishna lila, and they go with him. Still, I think some may more have in the cultivation stage when they have more affinity for for Gor lila or or, or, or Krishna lila. Hmm? and one might have equal affinity for, for both hmm? in the stage of practice hmm? um, but in the ultimate it would be um, difficult <laughs> to be a participant in Lila and have no affinity for Krishna that makes absolutely no sense now you could be in Krishna-lila hmm? and not have affinity for Lila, but you'd be in a different Sampradaya <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: so we can safely conclude that most everyone will have participation. In the yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. yes. Um, I was reading this morning in Spanish, when Krishna, when I find Raja she means, you know, a lot to him, the reason why he came to go to so I'm thinking, well, yeah, it leads you to Chaitanya from that point of view. You know. And then Chaitanya, everything in Chaitanya is about Radha love to Krishna. And he's teaching us. So, your Divyasana is not. It's about also about Radha love to Krishna.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And then if I, um, I don't want to touch a little bit on the topic of recent, how much we think about Hai Radha. But everything you go through, all Chaitanya literally it leads you to worship, you know, gopis and run into, and listen to the Guru and the Dalai master. That's, that's the goal. And how, where the is, you can see that? I mean, I, I understand that people are afraid touch the topic, which is the the but Krishna please I when she's going to find the than then when they go well, find him, is that right?
0: Yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, to um yeah to glorify Radha that's that's the whole you know some
3: people are afraid of that tell me what Where the border, like especially uh-huh. hearing about these colony in and you know, chanting yeah 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 and, uh, you know it's just like yeah for some 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 is probably afraid of, I mean like for me I personally I see everywhere like you know Radha and, and like look at the um, you know the and
0: in there's a reason that in Giriskan is more focused on Krishna than Radharani. Yeah. Now, there, there is. But it but it's but it but it of course in the absence of Prabhupada so it may be overdone, hmm? To the point of a fault. But but uh, but Prabhupada has a certain perspective. Hmm? It's not one that Radharani's absent in. But what I mean by that is some people like Radharani because because Krishna likes her. Hmm? Well, some people uh, don't think like that, but some people um, like Krishna because Radharani likes Krishna. You see, that's extreme... Gaudiya Vaishnavism. <laughs> That's extreme Gaudiya And they don't and if she didn't like him, then they won't have anything to do with him. That's Ragunataska Swami this is a unatojala rasa, this is the highest ideal. So Prabhupada kind of like Radharani because Krishna likes Radharani in in, in, in Of course we find in Briat Bhadu Tamrita that um, and his sarup as Sarup. His name was Sarup there. And he got the direct service of Krishna. He's very happy, but when he got the direct service of Radha to do something on her behalf, then that gave him even more joy. But it's a little, I want to say it's a little more um, subdued. You have the extreme of Babalas in Radha in in the in, in Toza where there's an interesting change in the equation. The equation is basically that the devotees love Krishna. This is, he's the center. He's the object of Bhakti Rasa. He's Rasa Raj. There's one center for Bhakti Rasa, and it's Krishna. He, he can taste all Rasas. He can reciprocate with everyone in all Rasas. So he's the center. Hmm? Radharani is not Rasa Raj. She's Mahabhav. She's the fullest manifestation of, the, of, of, of love. Hmm? So, there are. So Rupa Goswami explains the stai bhav, so all the different sakya bhav, dasya and so forth. And in, in Ujbal, you know, in uh, Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, he comes to a certain point. And obviously, if you know a little something, he, he's reasoning. I've talked about how everyone in a spiritual Dimension loves Krishna, it's all Krishna centered. But someone may ask, he doesn't say this, but it's how he thinks. Someone may think, How do the devotees love one another? That's not Krishna centered. Hmm? So what's that? Hmm? So he says, But there is something else called suhidrati. Suhrid means a friend, so love of the friend. There's something called love of the friend. And some devotees, they love Krishna. And then they love their friend a little bit less. Hmm? He said, and some devotees love Krishna and they love their friend, another devotee, equally. Hmm? This is in rasa. It can play out to some extent in Sadaka's life, but he's really talking about in rasa. They love Krishna, but in the context of that, they love another devotee equally. Hmm? This is called Krishna-snehadika, sama-snehadika. means affection, so... One has Krishna a like more affection for Krishna hmm, than the friend or friends. Or samasneha. Equal affection for Krishna and the friends. Hmm, what kind of friends they are, you see? Maybe a little bit less than Krishna or equal. Hmm. So he says this is called Surridrati, love of the friend. And it is a sanchari, not a stai. A stai bhav is a bhav that it, it has the power to dominate. Hmm. And and other emotions will revolve around it. And the other emotions that, emotions that revolve around it, that come and go to augment it, they're transitory. They come and go. Sanchari, Vibichar means moving. They're transitory. They don't have the power to dominate. You might be in friendly love with someone and sometimes amongst friends, you tell jokes, and you 're just cracking up and rolling on the ground, and so forth you've just gone into hasya rasa completely and the friendship has kind of receded a little bit to the background hmm? but it's still dominant of course, hasya is a kind of kind of interesting type of secondary rasa that's really a sanchari, but it has the power temporarily to act like a stai so but anyway, anyway so there are these transitory emotions that come in the augment, so he says. There's 33 of them. He says, this is like a 34th. It's not on the list. It's called surhidrati, hmm? love of the friend. So if you love Krishna a little more than your friend or if you love your friend and friends equally, then that love augments the sthayi bhav for Krishna. It's called a sanchari bhav. It's called surhidrati. But he says, there's a, there is a, spe- a special instance in which one loves the devote, the friend, more than Krishna. And that's very extraordinary. He hmm. says we give it its own name. It's called Babulas, Babulas, a very exalted bhava, and it works very interestingly. How is that? That it works in such a way that the love of Krishna on the part of the devotee serves to augment it. Hmm. So. He says, it can't be a stai-bhav because the stai-bhavs are all centered on Krishna. He's the object of love. But it's kind of acting like one at the same time. And we just give it its own name. And Vishnu says, it's not a stai-bhav and it's not a samcari-bhav. It's what it is. It's a... Or some people say, well, what happens in this is that although Krishna is the center, the perfect object of love, all the stai are centered on him. In this case, that other devotee, who that friend who one loves more than Krishna, is Radha. Who else could take that position? Hmm? And she is now elevated. So the combined Vishai Alambana, center of love, object of love is Radha and Krishna combined, rather than just Krishna. It can't be just Radha. It could be just Krishna. Hmm? But now it's Radha and Krishna combined. Hmm? And the, so, and arguably, of course, Radha and Krishna combined is the Brahman that is Rasa, rasa saha because you have to have two. Taitareya hmm? Punjab says, the Brahman is Rasa. So you could say, well, when the Radha and Krishna are combined, then there's two. Hmm? So, that's a very, uh, that's when someone thinks, I love Krishna. Because Radha likes him. And if Radha says, I don't want to see him, then I don't, then, you, then you're going to keep him out of, get out of here, you can't come here, would be your service to Radha. This is very extreme, extreme kind of, uh, kind of Godi of So, and then and there is also, the, I, there is an idea that this Babalasa can manifest in other ways.
2: Hmm? yeah.
0: Or other devotees as possible. Nitinanda Babalas, sometimes they speak of. Um, so, yeah, higher topics.
4: We were having a discussion, like our relationship with devotees, but like on a much lower level than what you were just speaking about. Like, uh, I was just using myself for example. I like to uh, be around devotees, you know, I feel comfortable there, and value relationship with devotees and and we were just kind of talking about I need to keep myself on a certain level so that way I can still be in the devotee club and gradually as they go up and I'm going up with them Mm -hmm. like you know Madan Gopal I can know about him and I can can have experience with him but like I don't feel like I can have a relationship with Krishna you Mm -hmm. you know like On that level. Mm -hmm. And so we were just kind of having a discussion about the value of devotee association and how we could really be motivated by that interpersonal relationship and then, you know, all that is tied around Krishna. Mm -hmm. Speak like kind of on.
0: Yeah, well, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, sure, sure, sure. Sure, yeah. Well, I. (laughs) I would just say, of course, that I wouldn't. I wouldn't divorce the two in such a way that you know, associating with devotees is different than associating with Krishna. It, it, it's one and and different at the same time. Only in the sense that I could like more to get yeah. my hands on on that. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's very practical. The devotees are very. Um, they take the theory, and they manifest it in the practical. So, it's very. They're very endearing to us. And this is the beauty of Gaudiya Vaishnavism, as you compare to other authentic spiritual paths, Ashtanga Yoga, Jnana, Buddhism. I hate to tell you, but you can't have any friends (laughs) in any of these paths. You can't have any friends. Hmm? They all have to disappear, Hmm? along with your own Hmm? self-identity. It has to disappear. In Bhakti, you can have friends, so (laughs) it's very friendly. and in, indeed, um, um, because well, we understand the philosophy, so you can have it means there are others involved, and you know, there are real identities. It's not, it's not simply about deconstructing the false identity, but uh, but realizing the potential of your identity as as an atma, potential to be a person in conjunction with the environment that bhakti provides, that gives you the opportunity to make choices in another world. Hmm? You're a unit of will, but you have in order to make any choices, exercise that you have, have to have an environment where there's opportunities to choose. So bhakti becomes the interface, so to speak. Here we have the material world, mind and brain are the interface, and you get a person based on that. So, so we're all persons in that sense and potential, and they're, those personalities the spiritual. Characteristic is being formed as we go and progress and so we become attached to one and as much as another one is a devotee And you're attached to them the more you're, you know, you're making progress It's a good thing and you find the example of you, know, great devotees lamenting the loss of another devotee The Bhagavad Gita says you should not lament for who to, you know, right? So this is teaching on another level. Hmm? Don't lament for the, what does he say? The living of the dead, the of the dead. right, hmm? And we find Narutthana is is beating his head against the stone, he says, because he's lost. Sanatana, Rupa, and all these devotees have gone, Krishna's Kaviraj, how will I go on like this? He's lamenting. And he's a very high devotee. Hmm. How much that pertains then to us, on our level. He said that attachment to a devotee, well, a substantial devotee, the same attachment that... We have towards ordinary people when fostered in relation to the devotee will have the opposite effect, hmm? causing our progress. So it's very practical. I mean, really, it's a good insight on your part because Krishna is more present in the assembly of devotees, so to speak, than he is on the altar. hmm? Um, And we wouldn't know he was on the altar if it weren't for the devotees telling us, by the way, that's Krishna. And this is how you talk to them, you know, or how, do you, how you address them and how you relate to them and so forth. It's very practical. Um, so uh, they, uh, in bhakti, well, in gyanmarg, in yoga marg, we advance by detachment. Hmm? Knowledge, the corollary of knowledge is detachment. If you know that things of the world are here today and gone tomorrow, you're not going to chase after them in pursuit of enduring happiness. So the more you have knowledge, the more you become detached. But in bhakti, the way we progress is not by detachment, but by attachment, by sangha. So by becoming attached to other devotees who stand as as an example to us, inspire us and so forth, In the company of whom we're reminded of that which we really identify with ultimately. We have things we're busy with and so on and so forth. And then, you know, when it all comes down to it, this is what I'm really about. And I feel that in association. I'm reminded of that in a powerful way. I get clouded by my mind and senses in the world and distracted and, and, and all. And, and I get some temporary relief by doing this. And then I get temporary relief by doing that. And I just, just keep, you know, I'm carrying it here. That's pretty heavy. Huh. I'll put it over here. Okay, that's pretty good. That feels pretty good. Oh, that feels really good. I, you know, this is our happiness, right? So we, we keep moving things around and, you know, <laughs> the burden's never lifted. And when we get in the Association of Devotees, we reminded here's the prospect for really removing the burden. Not only just removing the burden, but that's only part of the happiness, that I don't have to carry anything. Hmm? You know, here I have knowledge. I don't have knowledge, I think. Like, you know, you've got a dumb guy. Well, not a dumb guy. Not a very well thought out person, let's say. Uh, you know, so what does he doing? He's, he, you know, he's 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 digging. He's got to dig Dig ditches all day long. is what he does, you know. Then he sees. Uh, he think, man, if I could just get some money, my li-, you know, I see other people that got money. They're happy. If I could get some money, then my life would be good. If I get some money, I I'd like I'd like put a put a like real like cushioned handle on the shovel, <laughs> like that, so my hands wouldn't get blistered, and I could just shovel like you know. Okay, you know. So, and, and, <laughs> In the association as of the voice, we we get some idea, some prospect of what 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 real wealth is and how you could spend it and and, and, and what, what 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 kind of a life it would provide for this. It's categorically different than the material life, however we adjust it. And so naturally, we you know we we resonate with that, and it really feels like this is I'm I'm, I'm getting somewhere hanging out even with some other devotee where the topic eventually op- turns around to Krishna and you start to... T- everything kind of, kind of as we talk about in relation to the philosophy and so forth. And it's meaningful. So that's what you're experiencing and it's very true. Therefore, we should keep you know, good good company as much as possible. And it's true that, that Krishna is more kind of present for us in a practical, pragmatic sense in the sangha of devotees than he is standing on the altar. mm and of course, he will fully manifest in the, in the sangha of devotees in, 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 in your heart and due course. Does that help? Yes. Yes, it's, it's a good thing. It's a good thing. Yes?
1: Uh, what would your suggestion be um, for me thinking about um, devotees who have passed on that I've committed offenses toward?
0: Uh-huh.
1: Um, I can't go...
0: And seek yeah, you, 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 you can, you can, uh, um, you see, um, the devotees, they don't take offense. So you're off the hook? No, no. Yeah. <laughs> don't think like that. No, but it's, it's said in the Bhagavatam that the dust of the feet of the devotees takes offense. What is the dust of the feet of the devotees? Hmm? That means the devotees of the devotees, Hmm? so to speak. Hmm? So you go to the devotees of those devotees, or one of them, Hmm. serve that person, or, you know, that way, you can get relief. Does that help? Yeah, that's practical. All right. We would say for tonight, we'll speak some more. We'll, We'll go back to our verse and you questioning got us going in that direction and so maybe some repetition but we'll try to play out the rest of it and, and now we stop and take some prasad Shri <laughs> si goranga mahaprabhu ki jai, jai. shri bhakti branda swami prabhupad ki jai, jai. bhakti rakshak siddhadev goshwami maharaj ki jai, jai. bhakti sudam srsri tago prabhupad ki jai, jai. shri bhakti banod parivar ki jai, jai. gor bhaktabind ki jai, jai. gor premanandi rimo